Welcome back to the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, John Curry. John, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Steve. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, we just came from uh, one of our, our regular breakfast meetings, uh, and we, we had some great brainstorming that I think is just going to carry over into this episode. Uh, we were talking about how to engage and reach out to prospects that you don't know. And it's funny how you and I seem to, our thinking for, for whatever reason is so aligned. We're always running on these parallel tracks because we'll show up at breakfast and I've got my agenda, you've got your agenda, and invariably we're on the same topic. And this morning it was much like that. And so um, I think this is going to be a particularly useful episode for folks, no matter where you are in your career, um, if you've got to reach out to prospects that you don't know and you need a way to do that, I think you're going to get some things out of this. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be fun. I agree totally, and I think it's going to be fun uh, because, as I've told you uh, many times, there's only two kinds of prospects. And who are those? The ones you know and the ones you don't know. That's right. There's only two kinds, the ones you know and the ones you don't know. And the key has to be, and I'll always say this in some form every time, uh, the key is you have to take care of the people you choose to serve and always treat them properly and ethically. And, but at the same time, you deserve to make as much money as the marketplace is willing to pay you. So if you bring value, take good care of those people that you know or don't know, then you deserve to make as much as the universe says you earn. So with that in mind, let's, let's share with the folks what we did this morning and, uh, I'm going to take your lead on it because uh, I'm just going to chill here for a minute. Well, so I think for, for a little bit of background, so you came this morning and, and said, you know, I'm ready to go to another level, which every time you say that, I always look I'm like, aren't you at a pretty high level already? But then you go to another level and you came and sat down and said, you know, I want to double my business. Um, I think you said specifically your, your annuity business. Right? I did. And that's a big number. Um, and, uh, and so you, you wanted me to help you kind of figure out how to do that. And it, it's funny, I was kind of on that line myself. Uh, for us, it's, it, if we can pull it off, which I think is achievable, it actually triple our business, but we don't need that many new clients to do that. And where we both were ending up was on what uh, one of our mutual mentors, Chet Holmes, would call the Dream 100 process. Right. You know, I, uh, we, with our clients, we call it the target 100 process. It's the same idea. And um, it really is about getting very specific about who you want to do business with, making a list. I mean, knowing them by name. And I think that's a, John, I think that's a big mistake a lot of folks have is they, um, they go out to the marketplace and they don't have anything really specific in mind. And so I think the first part of this is, is being specific about what you want and who you want to work with. Um, I, I, you know, I, I describe it when I'm giving presentations as, you know, imagine if you went in into the grocery store and used the standard criteria that most people have for who they want to do business with. They got to meet two qualifying criteria, a heartbeat and a wallet. <laughs> and everybody in the grocery store qualifies based on that definition. So how do you know who to go talk to? So you got to be a little bit more specific than that. So I think it starts with knowing who you want to work with, but then how are you going to reach out to them? And there are a lot of different ways that you can do that. And, and I think it's a, it's a more confusing 
challenge right now than it's ever been because there's about a million different ways you can market today. All right, let me jump in on that because based on those two things you said, somebody's got a, a wallet and a heartbeat, okay? And then the challenge is about marketing and finding people that you can serve. The person who has a heartbeat, you don't know if they have a strong heartbeat or a poor heartbeat. So if you're selling life insurance, just because they got a heartbeat doesn't mean they're a good, healthy prospect, right? And if just because they have a wallet doesn't mean they're willing to hand that wallet or the contents thereof to you. So you have to have some message that just stops them in their tracks and they go, whoa, uh, this person has something of value. They can create value for me. I'm willingly, I'm, I, you can see me, they can't. I am willingly reaching into my pocket, pocket taking out my wallet and handing it to you because you have something of value that I am willing to write a check for. That's the, what we are in the job of doing, folks. It's showing people that we bring so much value that they will write a check for whatever they need to write the check to get us. Absolutely. So talk for a minute about building, building that list because I think that's the first step in this. It's, it's really going to be difficult to be successful with the things that we're going to get into if you, if you can't figure out how to build that list. And you've been doing this for a long time, John, and I know who you've put on that list over the years has probably evolved a number of times. It has. It has. So going way back to September 13th, of 1975, the people on that list were people that I, because I knew two people in town. Well, I knew three. I knew my mother and my brother, and I knew my uncle uh, and his wife. So I guess four, my aunt. So I started by literally, I would go to the pipe shop, pipe and tobacco shop, and I would chat with people there, introduce myself, get their name, we chit chat, and I would ask them for an appointment. So it was a form of a cold call, if you will, in a warm place that we had a common interest, cigars or pipes. And yeah, I learned at an early age, right age of 22 years old at that time, to engage in a conversation to get people to tell me something about themselves. I'd tell them about me, and that would lead to, you know, at some point we should get together. Uh, didn't have cell phones back in 1975. Didn't have computers in 1975. So I still carry around my little notepad and well, new book and a pen to this day, and I would write down their name and phone number and call them. So the list then was whoever I got to know from personal observation. And folks, I would encourage you to write those two words down, personal observation, because they're more powerful than referrals. They're more powerful than a list that you buy because the key word says it all, personal. You know them, they know you, even if it's only briefly. But that's where it started originally, Steve, and then over the years, I just kept adding people's names to my list and I didn't take them off the list. Let's talk about that because when we were at breakfast this morning, you made a, a comment that you thought personal observation was one of the most powerful prospecting tools you, you'd ever used. It was more powerful and more important than referrals, virtually any, any other thing that you've done. And you've done a lot of different forms of prospecting. Actually, what I said was I thought it was the most powerful, not one of the most powerful. Right. Because when I go to a function, let's just use two examples, well, three examples, Rotary Club. If I go to Rotary and I see someone that I haven't talked with in a while and I want to meet with, I can walk right over and say, Steve, nice to see you. We haven't talked in a long time. Let's have breakfast one morning. And specifically, I will talk about such and such. So I don't blindside you. 
if I'm at economic club, so I'm either looking for people that I want to nurture the relationship or start one. Sometimes it's saying, hey, I'd like to interview you on my podcast, on the Secure Retirement Podcast. Uh, same thing at Capital Tiger Base. I know wherever I am, I'm going, number one, because I enjoy being there because of the various speakers and being around people that I like to hang out with. So for me, the personal observation is, you know me, I know you, I know a little bit about you. It's not like cold where I got to sit there and get to know you. If I met you, if I saw you at Rotary, we have Rotary in common. Economic club, we have that in common. If it's at a Boy Scout meeting because I'm there with my grandson, we have that in common. Does that make sense? Completely. <laughs> makes things simpler, doesn't it? Makes things simpler and makes things more fun because now I'm not on trying to grab you by the neck and wrestle you to the ground to sell you something. The conversation starts where we have common interests, common bond. And then if, if the chemistry is right, guess what? It's just a matter of time before we get together and have a discussion. Now, you might not do business with me. Uh, the likelihood is very high that you will over time if I keep in touch and I'm not a jackass and try to high pressure you. If I'm just nice and polite and be a professional, then once you know who I am, what I do, uh, at some point you'll probably say, you know, John, it's time to talk about my retirement. Client came in yesterday. He has a term insurance with me, a term policy, a $500,000 term policy from Rotary. Every time I see him, not interested in talking. Well, last Tuesday at Rotary, he reached out to me. Tuesday of last week. So we booked a lunch and appointment. So he came in yesterday and he says, now I'm ready to start talking about my retirement stuff. I need help. So he'll, he'll pay a $3,000 fee and then we'll move forward with the planning. So I, I want you to help us with two objections that I think are probably in the minds of the, the people listening. And, and so the first one is, that's great, but I haven't been in my community in business for 45 years like you have. And I don't know all the people that you know. So how do I, how do I make a living? How do I get success? How do I reach the, those high levels of the industry like you have doing this? One step at a time like I did back in 1975. I, I moved to Tallahassee. October 74, Steve, I loaded milk trucks at Borden's Dairy. I had to go in at 1.30 in the morning, load big old semi-trucks with, with cases of milk. Then I went to Tallahassee Community College in the daytime, and I worked. I did that for a year. And luckily, they chose not to let me go into milk route, have my own milk route, because I wanted to get into sales. And I got angry and quit. And I was approached about selling insurance, and I did that. I'm glad I did. I knew no one. So no matter where I was, if I was at the at school on campus, if I was at a grocery store, if I was at the pipe shop, wherever I was, I made sure that I engaged in a conversation with people because it was easy because I like people. And so it was one-on-one. -on -one. I'd never heard of direct marketing back then. I'd never heard, did anything about direct mail and this stuff. So it was all one-to-one. One -one. And I made very few cold calls. I was sharing with you this morning at breakfast where uh, we would do dialing for dollars on Sunday night, and the manager insisted we just pick 10 names out of the phone book and call. Uh, he was pushing us to you know, stretch our limits. And that particular night, all 10 people agreed to see me, and ultimately five of those 10 became clients. I never had that happen again. You know, I might make 10 calls and get one appointment if I was lucky, maybe two on the high side. But it, the, it, it was just... 
beginner's luck, I guess. And it just happened. You know, and two of those were big whopping $25,000 face amount policies, which was humongous back in 1975 and 76. Uh, for us, anyway. But one of the answer is one step at a time. I didn't, and I'll come back in a minute if you want to dig deeper, but I'll use the word form to help people be reminded of it's easy to go find those people if you have a process. Okay, so one step at a time. I, I think that's, that's good advice. And it didn't take you very long after that to get to the point where you were producing at a, at a high level um, because you were, you were producing at, at MDRT levels within a few years, not too many years after that, correct? It took me five years. Uh, I qualified for the Million Dollar Roundtable in 1980. I attended my first meeting in New York City in 1981. So it took me five, well, it took four and a half years to be exact. Okay. All right. So that's one objection uh, and we can go deeper into that. But the other objection that um, I, I think is, is out there is, well, that's great if you're marketing to a local area. And I, frankly, I gave you this one this morning. We work with businesses all over the country. In fact, you're my only client here in town. So doing personal observation around here doesn't really do me a whole lot of good. Um, and I can't go observe. And we've got advisor clients that are in that same boat where they're selling regionally or nationally far outside their local area. And that observation is difficult. Actually, you can do personal observation. And it's even better and easier now because of the technology we're utilizing right now. You can go find out anything you want about anybody in this country in a matter of minutes. Okay, that's personal observation. I am, I, I'm going to track you down. I'm going to find some common interest and I'm going to find a way either to get an introduction to you. And if I can't find someone to introduce me, I'm going to introduce myself. And here it goes. Let, let's say it's an email or a phone call. Doesn't matter. Same script. Steve, my name is John Curry. I've been following you. I admire your work. I was looking for someone to introduce us. I couldn't find that person, so I'm taking the direct approach. I'd like to have a chat with you. I think we might be able to do some business together if we have that chat. Are you open to a 10-minute conversation with me? Now, what person can refuse that <laughs> if they're trying to make money? They're an idiot if they say no to that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like going to the Chamber of Commerce. I'll call somebody who's a chamber and I said, I said, uh, Steve, John Curry here. We're both members of the Chamber of Commerce. I'm calling to see if we can do some. Somewhat. Commerce, of course. <laughs> it just sort of removes all of the stress out of that situation, doesn't it? It does. And they laugh. They have a good time. They chuckle. They say, yeah, I'd be a fool not to uh, chat with you at least. Let's visit. So this morning, um, we were both, again, kind of on this parallel track about how do we go engage prospects that we don't know? And, uh, you know, and so we've talked about some pretty basic ways to do it, but you and I are looking at ways where we can create a system, a process so that we're very consistently and very intentionally reaching out to hand-selected specific types of prospects. And in your case, that's likely members of the Florida retirement system. In our case, that's, you know, uh, clients that are prospects that are in certain industries and certain sizes uh, that, that we're going to go build a list around. 
And I, I want to break that down a little bit. So you want to kind of begin and give us a little bit of an overview of how, because you've done this for years. This isn't new. You've been doing this for years. You want to give a little bit of an overview before we dive into the details? I'd be happy to. Uh, I have two distinct markets. So I want people listening to this to understand that you probably ought to have more than one market. Uh, no more than no more than three, I think, two or three, so you can stay focused. But all of my market marketing has one common theme, and that is preparing for a secure retirement. So if you're a business owner, Steve, as you are, and you sold your business for $10 million, bucks, you've got to do something with that $10 million in order to have a secure retirement. So it could be retirement money. It could be money from a business. It could be inherited money. I don't care where the money comes from. But we talked on another episode, I'm looking for people who have the mindset to prepare for a secure retirement, which means they are concerned about protecting what they've got first. That's number one. Then number two, money is either in motion now or will be soon. Now, it could be 10 years down the road that's in motion. If I know that, now what have I got? I've got a 10-year runway to make sure that when the time comes that I'm your guy. So... I'll need business 10 years from now, just like I will today. So that's the first thing I would say. And then along the way, all the years of doing this, I've done everything from uh, mailing a handwritten note to someone and then make a phone call. I've done direct mail pieces that didn't have your name on, just saying, dear Mr. Jones, you know, dear so-and-so, dear friend. Um, One of my best clients came from a mailing like that back in May of 1979, in fact. Uh, we still talk on a regular basis. Good point. And uh, he responded to a mortgage life insurance lead to cover the mortgage on his home. And it shocked me because this guy back then made a half a million dollars a year as an attorney, but he had a mortgage and it just happened to show up at the right time. He called and we did business. So the concept is simple. You can pick up the cell phone and call people. Most of us won't do that because we're fearful. So we will mail them something. Uh, to soften the call. Um, It comes down to your personal style. I'm of the opinion in today's environment, you're better off sending something. For me, I like to send postcards. Why? Because they're quick and easy. Even if you're going to throw it away, at least you had to look at it. As you're flipping it away, you at least saw my picture. So I like postcards and then make the call. But postcards, email, letters, newsletters, yeah, you're a master at using newsletters, and I'm going to talk about that sometime during our presentation here today, because um, I'm not as consistent with newsletters as you've been, but I'll send at least two or three a year, but the rest are pretty much postcards and emails. Yeah, we've we've built this business just off of a of an email newsletter, frankly. Um, but uh, for a long time, we did a, a printed newsletter. We actually charged folks 100 bucks a month for it, and... Uh, um, and had had people pay it uh, to be on our newsletter list. And uh, some of the most powerful marketing we've ever done. Those people, I can look at our current client list and about 50% of our current clients were subscribers to that newsletter at one time or another. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's really, really powerful. I'm going to uh, tell you something I think you should do. I think you should explain to our, our listeners our audience here, how you and I connected because there's a valuable lesson there talking about doing prospecting. So you want to share that story? Gosh, you probably remember better than I do. Um, we did we connect through rotary or through, uh, marketing through David Ferguson. 
David? Not Ferguson. Uh, this one blank now. The Vintage Group, Tech. Ah, da that's right. Uh, David Loveless. Um, Thank yeah, you. Friend. Yeah, I was, that's right. I, that, that, I forgot that's where we first met. Yeah, I was in a CEO um, peer group uh, called Vistage, and he was the chair. And uh, that's right. He, he brought you in as a, a guest or a speaker or something, and we met at one of those meetings. And it was a breakfast meeting. That's where I met you and Marjorie at the breakfast, the orientation to bring in new people. And we met, we hit it off, and, and our dear friend Marjorie, who's like a sister to us, and we just had a conversation, and we said, hey, let's follow up and have breakfast one day, and we did. And then you became uh, my very dear friend. We've been through hail together. And, uh, you know, you became my client, I became your client, and it's just been a, a beautiful, nurturing relationship ever since, just because I accepted an invitation to go to a breakfast. Mm -hmm. And then where we, where we next uh, multiplied that was that the, I was invited to attend your meeting. It was a special meeting that you had a guest speaker, and David invited me to come in, and that's where you and I sat together and talked some more. Yeah. That's what developed. So the, the lesson here is when you go to something, I would encourage you don't go just because you want to sell something, go because you want to meet new people and you're doing things that are important to you and you're energized by it and the business will come. Yeah, with, without a doubt. I mean, it, it all comes ultimately from the people, doesn't it? Uh, it's all about people. I mean, everybody that's listening to this is, is selling something that people need. And they don't maybe know that they need it. They don't maybe know why they need it or how it will work in their lives. But um, if you put yourself around the right people and then create, and this is, I think, part of what we're going to get into, and then create a system to stay in those lives consistently over time until they get to a point where they're ready to make a move, you can't help but be successful. And yeah, that's one of the things, John, you said a minute ago, um, you know, you, you might meet somebody and, and they may have money in motion in 10 years. And that's perfectly fine with you because you'll figure out a way to stay in touch. You won't figure out a way. You have a way. You have a system in place. Um, I, I, would, I would submit that one of the reasons that you tend to outperform a lot of folks who are in bigger markets where there's on the surface, more opportunity, more wealth in the community, more people, more prospects, all of that um, is simply because you've created that system. And where I, I think a lot of people get uh, a little bit scared is they'll, they'll say, well, yeah, I'll make, I made that contact, but he's not ready to do anything for 10 years. And then they don't have a system in place to stay in that person's life over time in a way that doesn't take you a lot of time. Correct. Correct. And that's the power today of automation. You know, back when I started, you know, 45 years ago, it was a write your name down on an index card, put it in an alphabetical file box, and then follow up occasionally. And use one card system that anybody in the insurance business knows about that Al Granum created. So every six months you touch base. <clears throat> but today you can use automation for that. Uh, but one thing we've gotten away from, you, you talked about it this morning, that's uh, some of the people on your team, definitely some of the people on my team, they're fearful of the telephone. Uh, it's, it's like some big monster going to jump out and eat them that they pick the damn phone up. You know, so we want to send out emails and do everything but talk to people. 
you know, just pick up the phone and say, hey, Steve, John Curry here. I heard great things about you. Let's visit. You know, I want to circle back on something you said a moment ago. You said two words that, that I use every day, almost every appointment. Probably if I went back and checked it and had a recording, I bet every interview that comes up. Need and want. I submit to you that if you have the courage to say, you know what, you don't really need me. You don't really need life insurance. You don't need annuities. You don't need disability insurance. You don't need all that. But if you're interested, I'll share with you why you might want them. Because you're already thinking you don't need it. And you're, in fact, you're going to tell me, I don't need that. You won't say I don't want it, but you'll say I don't need it. And, and I like to have fun with it. Well, you don't need it. You don't need me. Truth is, I don't need you. You know, I'm not looking for a sale today. I'm, I'm doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, so, so we've already agreed we don't need each other. Let's find out if we want each other. Boy, I tell you, you'll you see people's eyes get about the size of a saucer. They go, oh, what do you mean? Well, would you like to explore the conversation? Let's just have a conversation and see where it goes. At the end of the conversation, we'll either like each other and want to meet again, or we don't, we'll say goodbye. But let's talk about need versus want. You, I'm, I'm going to pick on you and tell them, I'm going to pick on me really, but I'm going to tell them what you did to me. <laughs> hey, remember that down in Winter Park? I do, yeah. Uh, I'm a watch enthusiast, and I had gone and bought a, uh, a very expensive, just the strap was like 200 and something bucks. <clears throat> so we're walking down the street, and I'm sharing it with Steve on our way to dinner. I was down for one of your uh, mastermind groups, <laughs> and I'm explaining it, and Steve says, John, you don't have to explain, rationalize, or justify. You want it because you want it. And I was intrigued, so as we sat down and had our cocktail before dinner, I said, okay, uh, you, you got in my face out there on the street, so expand on this. You want to share with them how that came up and, and what you said? I actually got frustrated. We stopped <laughs> walking down the street. I got in your face, and I just said, shut up. The only, yes, reason, the only reason for you to have that thing, because it was a – it was a watch. Uh, I don't know if you want to share what kind of watch it was, but uh, it was a watch strap. It was a Rolex watch, and I went and bought a. I wanted a right. special rubber strap for it that was like two hundred and almost three hundred bucks. I didn't need it, but I wanted it. Well, and you had a few months before that bought that gold Rolex mm -hmm. for you know what a lot of people would consider a lot of money. You probably could buy a car for that, and. Um, <laughs> and, and you had, you had delivered, de deliberated over whether or not you should buy that watch for several months. And I finally just got fed up and said, the only reason to have that thing is <laughs> you want it, stop justifying it, stop, you know, making, you know, rationalizing it and, and, and just admit that you want it and be okay with that. And that, yeah. I think that's powerful. Yeah. But that was two parts. It was the watch itself, which was rather expensive, but then that, that strap later, but what it, what came out of that for me folks is when I catch myself trying to explain, justify, or rationalize, I remember that. And I go, it happened just this week. At Rotary, I'm the watch I'm wearing right now, a guy says, Curry, you don't need that watch. I know you got a few of the gold watches. Why in the world do you buy another watch? And I said, Bob, you're correct. I don't need it, but I want it. Therefore, I have it. And he's like, well, okay then. So shut it down. So when people start telling you what they need or don't need, so you don't need it. Question is, do you want it? And it stops people in their tracks. Well, I, this is, uh, I think this is really powerful um, in, in a sales conversation because 
we all get trained in the fact that we've got this solution and people need it, right? Yes. We all do. Um, I, you know, I used to watch folks in uh, engineering, which is the, the industry I came from and owned a business in for a long time. And uh, you'd go to the association meetings and there'd you know, be people who were just aggravated that, that, you know, clients, our clients were developers at the time, that clients needed to do things this way or needed to do that. And they'd just be up in arms over it. You know, I mean, some of them wanted to go and legislate stuff. Uh, literally pass laws to make them do that this way. And, um, and I just kind of looked at it like, well, maybe there's a reason they don't want to do it. <laughs> right. And, uh, and maybe that reason's okay. And I think if you, when you come at something or come at someone with, you need this, you need this, you need this, it, it, it you know, it's almost like you're trying to be the parent. Yes. And a grown up doesn't need a parent. They're going to bristle at that. Most people are. Okay. They don't want to be told they need something because what that immediately does, it throws them into what our coach Dan Sullivan would call the gap. Okay. Well, speaking of Dan, let me say this. Here's something else Dan says that I, I love just along this. I've heard him say, because you know, I first encountered him back in 1994 when I was in this program. And because of our relationship, I'm going back into coaching uh, in September that, uh, he talks about there are 7.2 billion people on the planet, roughly 7.2 billion. He said, everybody there needs us. Every, every one of those people need financial services. But I got a new slash for you folks. The majority of them don't want us. And they're not sitting around just waiting for us to call. They can't, they're not sitting there. The, and first thing in one of the cup of coffee, damn, I hope this is the day that John Curry calls me and sells me a whole bunch of annuities and life insurance and disability insurance and some long-term care. Damn, I hope the day's day calls. They don't even know my name. They don't care. They, they don't think that. I woke up just this morning thinking, <laughs> Well, uh, now your nose is growing like Pinocchio. In your <laughs> but but here, here's, the, here, here's the thing, though. Our job is to accept the fact, yes, everyone needs us. Everyone needs our product. But the minute that you can then follow up quick and say, but I know the majority don't want me and don't take it personally, then you create you, you, you set to the task of creating a way of making them want you and what you have. And that is what is called marketing or selling. So if you create your message to where it stops them in their tracks and they go, Ooh, wait a minute. My subconscious just told me the RAS, the reticular activating system at the base of your brain says, Ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've been thinking about this for a long time, this secure retirement thing. You've been worried about your stock. Accounts dropping money, your interest rates are low. Ooh, ooh, message, 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 alert, alert, listen to it. But you gotta do it. You gotta create messages where it stops people quickly and then they it, they pause long enough that you can engage in the conversation, Steve. And it goes full circle back to what we we're talking about this morning about developing that dream one hundred list that Chet Holmes always talked about. Uh, you don't need a universe of people, just one hundred. If you just had one hundred would you share the, the story from his book about what he did? I think yeah. it's kind of. He, so he built a list of, of uh, I think he was in the, uh, he was in a publication industry or something. Magazine sales. Magazine. Charlie Munger, uh, uh, yeah. Warren Buffett's partner. So, selling ad space in magazines, right? And they made a list of the hundred advertisers that they wanted to have in the magazine. And Correct. He, he put together a 12 month campaign. So every month, he sent them something 
a little bit unique, uh, what you and I would call 3D mail. In other words, it wasn't just a letter. It, there was some trinket in there that gave the, the envelope some bulk and made people think, well, there must be something in here that I actually need to pay attention to. Um, and he had some fun with it, you know. So he'd send him a Rubik's Cube and, and have the letter themed around, you know, you might be puzzled or something. Uh, right. You know, and there was a whole series of them. And he, he just relentlessly mailed and called and mailed and called these hundred prospects. And I believe he ended up doing business with about 50% of them. If I recall, it was, it was a much higher percent. Matter of fact, could, it could be, it's been a while since I've read the book, yeah. but you know, we're, that's one of the, one of the things that we teach our clients, John, is that, you know, because all this internet marketing stuff is, is a, can be a real distraction. There is a place for it, but it can be a real distraction. Most people think that now, because I have access to the internet, I really need to go out and market to all 7.2 billion people that you just mentioned, right? But for businesses like ours, where you're selling something that's expensive, that's probably high profit, if you've got 100 of the right people right now, and you work that list, and then as you close people, you add another one on, and you are constantly working a list of a hundred, you may never need anything else. You can ignore all these other distractions. That's all you need. You can build an incredible practice just with that. Absolutely. And what I was sharing with you at breakfast this morning is I want three dream 100s. I want one of my top 100 clients, 100 people on the marketing list that I pursue, and then 100 that are people that I know from various activities that I attend, whether it be the Economic Club, Rotary, Tiger Bay, whatever. It's, I, I, I'm starting now just every time I see the um, membership directory or the listing of people or I'm in the room. Okay, is that a person that I want to find out if they should be on my Dream 100 list? And I don't know until I have a conversation with them. Now, I may have the conversation and we decide, hmm, not a good fit. Well, they come off and I have another one. But that's the stuff that I'm working on. And you're right. Uh, if you have, In my case, I'm, if I have my three lists put together, I've got only 300 people to worry about. Now, don't get me wrong. The rest of my team will take care of the other thousands we've got. We've got 5,000 people just on our email list. But I'm talking about elevating that to where the people that I personally want to engage with at a high level. Well, I can manage 100, 200, or 300. I can't manage 3,000, 5,000. Yeah, it's too many. Now, you can get through 3,000 over time. Yes. But you got to take them in focused groups. So, John, I know we're, we're about out of time. I want to I start bringing this to, to a close. One of the places where people get tripped up is building a list, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that. So you've already mentioned personal observation as the most powerful way to build that list. And so, folks, as you're observing people that you want to be in your market to the extent you can do that, um, you, you put them into a database and a spreadsheet somewhere, get them into a list. If they're not in a list that you can review on a regular basis, you're going to have a hard time making any of this work. But uh, if you don't have that, if you've got to go build a list cold, um, that now is easier than it's ever been. So, John, I was sharing with you at breakfast, one of the things we do for our clients is when they run out of people that, you know, they've got either in their database already or that they've found through personal observation, we've got researchers on our team. We'll go out, we'll take their ideal client definition, and we'll go out and build a list 
for them. And, and it's easy for you to go get that kind of thing done these days. Um, you know, you need to have a, a clear picture of who your ideal client is. And that's one of the reasons, first thing we do with people before they can even become a full client with us, we take them through a planning process, much like you do called the growth audit, where we, we get clear on who their ideal client is. So they, they have that definition, but then you can go build a list from that once you, you know who that ideal client is. Um, very easy to do, very easy to validate through, you know, things like LinkedIn and Facebook and all these other tools. You don't even have to necessarily have to use those to reach out, but you can use them to understand more about those people to better qualify them, make sure you've got the right list. Um, and then once you've got them on the list, then there's all kinds of ways you can reach out. And today we were talking about, you know, each of us, we're, we're working on building campaigns that are a combination of direct mail and, and phone calls um, and email. And, um, and so maybe in another episode, John, we can talk a little bit about how that flows. But, uh, but the first thing is you got to start building that list. And that's got to be a part of what you do every week that you're, you're thinking about adding people to. Let's address that real quick from another angle. Everybody listening to this is involved in some group organization. There's a directory. I, I wouldn't, I don't encourage you just to mass mail everybody in the directory, but you can take that directory. And I just did it. Uh, this is Friday, right? Tuesday with the uh, uh, leadership town. I directory. There were hundreds of names. What, how many years? 32 years now. I just took a yellow highlighter, Steve. I just started going through because, like I said, all this week I've been working on this Dream 100 thing. So I just started highlighting people. I don't know how many I've highlighted so far. Doesn't matter. I'm going to get through the old book and I'll go back. I'm going to do the same thing with the Rotary Directory, same thing with Economic Club, same thing with Tiger Bay. And then the ones that I want to personally follow up with, I will eventually get to them. Either, hey, Steve, how you doing at a meeting or mail them a note. Or mail them, I'll probably send them something like one of my dinosaurs I like to send out or one of the sharks that I'll send out to make it lumpy mail, things like that, you know? Well, it, it's funny you mention that. So back in 2010, when I left my first business, started this business, that's exactly how I started. In fact, I started with a leadership Tallahassee list because I had just gone through that program. Um, I had been involved in the chamber, so I had that directory, and I'd been involved in Rotary, and I had that directory. And... I just sat down and I built a list of, I think about 150 people out of that. And I came up with a three step, three letter direct mail campaign. And I mailed and called and mailed and called and mailed and called. And guess what? Pretty soon I had clients and I was paying bills. Mm -hmm. That's how the business got off the ground. And so um, anyway, um, yeah, that kind of brought back memories. Uh, so we can, we can go into that in more detail in a future episode. Um, in our next episode, we're going to talk about how to charge a fee for what you do. I'm excited about that one because you got some interesting stories to tell. So folks tune in for that next episode and uh, thanks again for being here. Share this podcast with an advisor that you care about. Um, and uh, please send us an email um, or go to iTunes and leave a review and uh, let us know what you're getting out of this and uh, let us know what you'd like to talk about. Uh, the website is advisorinnercircle.com and you can go there and you can get in touch with us from there.